0: This is Viewpoint with attorney
1: and author Chuck Crismire. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck
0: Crismire. Over 1,400 Jewish people have been slaughtered as a result of the attack by Hamas on Gaza. Thousands and thousands more have been maimed, fear causes people to run from their homes to the bomb shelters if they can get there quick enough. Jewish students in the United States are afraid to go to campus, and Iran is threatening to wipe Israel off the map. Where is the hope of Israel? The words tikvat Israel mean the hope of Israel. But where is the hope of Israel in all of this? In one way, that's what one of the Jewish rabbis was asking when he, on Israel National News yesterday, in fact today, asked the question, where is the redemption in all this? It's called birth pangs of the Messiah or the Mashiach. Where is the redemption in all of this? Where is Tikvot Israel? Where is the hope of Israel? The fact that there are many problems in Eretz, Israel, that is the land of Israel, he says, does not in any way negate the great redemption which we are experiencing, and we're experiencing the signs that Mashiach, Messiah, is on the way, he said. The sages of the Talmud describe the terrible suffering which will accompany the advent of Mashiach, the national anguish. Economic chaos and spiritual decline surrounding the Messianic era lead the sages to say that they would rather not even be around when Messiah comes. Rabbi Yohanan said that if you witness a generation where the influence of Torah lessons and lessons expect to see the Messiah come. If you see a generation where great tribulation sweep over it like a river, expect the Mashiach to come. The Talmud, he said, states that war is also the beginning of redemption. The Talmud explains that Messiah comes after a period of struggle and war. The Midrash teaches that if you see nations of the world waging war against each other, you can expect the footsteps of the Messiah. Again, Rabbi Yitzhak stated, The year in which King Messiah comes, all of the kingdoms of the world are at war with each other, The king of Persia attacks the king of Arabia, and all the nations are confounded in fear, and Israel's in panic and trembling, and says, where shall we flee, and to where shall we go? And Hashem, God, says, my children, fear not. Why are you frightened? The time of redemption has come. Well, just as increasing pain and screaming, he said, are heard during labor just before birth, so too the anguish of war leads to a further stage of redemption. You might not think of redemption that way. Perhaps as an American Christian growing up in a very sanitized world in which we do not and hardly ever have faced the concept of real war or even the concept of redemption, not really. It's just a word, just a theological term, but it doesn't have too much meaning, oh yes, we're looking for the second coming of Yeshua, of Jesus, but what does that mean even? And if you're really looking for that, and if that really means redemption, then how do you square that with the rabbi's words, just as increasing pain and screaming are heard during labor just before birth, so too the anguish of war leads to a further stage of redemption. Well, who wants redemption then? Well, that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, as he listed in Matthew chapter 24, in response to his disciples' question, what would be the sign of his coming at the end of the age? He first said, take heed that no men deceive you. But then he goes on to talk about the wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence and all these horrific kinds of things that are going to occur all over the world. And then he says this, but these are just the beginning of sorrows, just the beginning of sorrows. Hmm. So is it possible that what we're actually seeing and experiencing, as horrific as it is, and as the Jewish people in Israel actually witnessed it to being, that it actually is precipitating, preparing the way for, The redemption of the world, particularly those who have put their hope and their trust in the Lord. Another rabbi says, hardships are on the way to redemption. Rabbi Zvi Roman, he said, we're facing difficult times, but we have not been discouraged. Thank God we have an amazing military, and with God's help, we shall also win this war. We're walking with our heads upright, with the knowledge that we are in the midst of the age of redemption, he said. There it is again. He said, Our redemption is not the redemption from Egypt this time. It's not a redemption of external miracles. Our redemption requires work that we ourselves must undertake. That is a war of our own. He goes on to say, Our mission now is to internalize the redemption slowly, which is occurring as part of the natural process. Therefore, through this redemption, the divine message will be able to penetrate reality and transform that natural reality into a divine reality. A natural redemption, he said, is accompanied by hardships and obstacles, and it unfolds as a process requiring patience. And we know, he said, that we're in the throes of redemption, but with God's help, we're at the advanced stages of redemption, the times of Messiah. Problem is, they're not looking for a divine Messiah. The so-called natural reality that comes into a divine reality doesn't even reflect in a divine Messiah from the Jewish viewpoint. So, where then is the hope of Israel? Where is Tikvot Israel then? The hope of Israel. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to talk about this matter of the Messiah. We want to talk about... The, uh, the very concept of uh, the coming of the Mashiach or Messiah, that is the Mashiach is the word that is used in the Hebrew to describe Messiah. Birth pangs of Messiah. A very interesting term, seeing that that's the term that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 24 called the Olivet Discourse. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation is always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And certainly this kind of talk should, to a truly listening ear and an understanding heart, be transformative. Why should it be transformative? Because it should lead us to consider or reconsider the times that we are in so that we would Be prepared for that which is coming. And that's why Jesus gave so many of his parables. So much of his teaching was to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. That is, to prepare those who would be his true followers for the coming of the just one, i.e., Jesus Christ himself. So, We're going to get in a little bit further into my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, uh, in the chapter called Israel's Hope. And uh, I think that will be helpful to you to understand. But in the meantime, hearing from Israel itself and the Jewish leaders, should we not take heed that our redemption draws nigh? We'll be back. Amid the birth pangs of Messiah, Israel National News announces Jewish students in the United States are afraid to go to campus. The war in Israel in response to the murderous attack and massacre by Hamas on communities in southern Israel has led to a wave of anti-Semitism on university campuses across the United States. In fact, we already had very significant anti-Semitism and now it's a new wave. From the moment the terror attacks occurred, the university became a hostile environment for Jewish students. Students are afraid to go to class, to sit next to classmates who publish anti-Semitic rhetoric and who promote rallies that endorse anti-Semitic rhetoric. You might be afraid of that, too. And yet, this is precisely what the Scripture said was going to happen in the end of the age. It wasn't talking about American universities. It was talking about the antithesis, or the, the uh, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish approach to the world, that Israel would always be on the outside looking in. Some might say, well, no, we're on the inside looking out. Well, however you want to look at it, the prophecy uh, in the book of Numbers said that Israel would never be reckoned among the nations. Yet Israel has wanted to be reckoned among the nations. In fact, one of the great things that uh, the great needs that people have is to the need to be loved and to belong. Well, Israel as a nation, as a Jewish people, want to be loved and to belong. But the problem is they're not loved and they're not belonging. And God said it would never happen. Why is that? Because they're married to Jesus, or they married to Yeshua, they are married to Hashem, uh, Yehovah the God of Israel, and because of that, the nations are envious, the nations are jealous, they don't want to be looking after and uh, lusting after a people and giving great favor to a people are supposedly the chosen ones. No, wh- why shouldn't we be chosen? So the nations of the earth rise up in envy against Israel and are seeking to pull Israel apart. And what we're seeing right now in response to the Hamas attack, is only a brief respite in the world's uh, antipathy toward uh, Israel. We're going to see it grow. It is growing. It's going to get more and more hostile until the point where Jesus himself is going to show up at Israel's most existential moment. In other words, at the moment when there seems to be no hope whatsoever for Israel. When all hope is gone, when their trust in America is gone, when their trust in anybody else to come alongside is gone, when their trust in their military is proven to be inadequate, then, and only then, will Jesus, the Savior of Israel, the Redeemer, show up, to demonstrate who he really is, and only then will they be able to recognize him and surrender their previous rebellion and bow at his feet and confess him as Lord. That will happen, but not until all of the wars and rumors of wars, not until the horrific nature of what these Jewish rabbis are saying is that which precedes the redemption, and are the birth pangs of Messiah. The Messiah they're looking for, again, is just a man like Moses. Just a man like Moses. They're not looking for a divine Messiah by their own confession. Even Orthodox Jews on this program have clearly and overtly expressed the fact that the Jewish people, even the Orthodox Jews, are not looking for a divine Messiah. Messiah. Now, all that having been said, we take a further look at the uh, horrendous situation that uh, the Jewish people are in. For instance, uh, this piece came out today. Uh, Cornell University professor Russell Rickford he called Hamas's terrorist attack against Israel energizing and exhilarating. He said that at a campus rally. Professor Rickford at Cornell asked, Hamas has shifted the balance of power. Hamas has punctured the illusion of invincibility by Israel. That's what they've done. You don't have to be a Hamas supporter to recognize that, do you? Rickford's ideas and areas of study include Post-war World World War Two African American political culture, transnational social movements, and the Black radical tradition. That's on Cornell University's website, and he's also, as an academic, playing the card carrying as a card-carrying member of the Democratic Socialists of America. So he says, "I was exhilarated. I was. It was exhilarating to watch Hamas attack Israel." Energizing, he said, and the crowd later chanted, from the river to the sea, Palestine will soon be free. A slogan that means wiping out Israel. Now, that having been said, let's take just a moment and talk about this matter of the so-called Palestinians. There is no such thing as a Palestinian state. And the Palestinians are a people who were living in Israel, the land of Israel or Palestine, at the time when the UN decided to parse the land of Israel to provide, after World War II, a peace, a, a land of promise for the Jewish people where they could retreat from the attacks of the world. Israel. So the land of Israel, that is the state of Israel, was established May 14, 1948. The United States was the first to acknowledge, and I think the second was Russia, to acknowledge Israel as uh, a state. But then all hell broke loose. The Arab nations surrounding decided, we're not going to put up with this, And they decided to confederate together to push Israel into the sea and destroy her right at her moment of birth. It was as if they were going to perform uh, an early abortion of the state of Israel. It wasn't a late-term abortion. It was an early abortion. And so here's what happened. These Arab nations and their leaders told the people that had been living in Israel, in the land of Israel... Called Palestine, that they should get out. Now, Israel didn't tell them to get out. The Jewish people did not tell them to get out. They were welcome to stay. But the Arab nations surrounding told those, I think it was about 800,000 Arabs in the land, to get out because we're coming in to grab this land to push Israel into the sea, and then you will be able to go back in and live happily ever after and not have to worry about these Jews. So where do we stand now with regard to that? Well, yesterday came these reports. The Jordanian king, Abdullah II, warned that transferring refugees to Jordan is a red line. In other words, calling these people that the surrounding Arab nations ordered to get out of the land so that they can go in and drive Israel to the sea have refused now to do anything with those people after they lost the war back in 1948. So they've kept them corralled, and they refuse to do anything about it. In addition to that, just yesterday, the Egyptian president, LCC, said evacuating Gazans to Sinai drags Egypt to war with Israel. So we're not going to allow any of those people into Egypt or Jordan. Now, the interesting thing about this is that Jordan was created for that express purpose, to welcome those kinds of people. So where is the Arab hospitality? Where is the willingness of the Arab world to bring in and fulfill their responsibility to the very people that they ordered to get out and then didn't fulfill their uh, promises of winning a war against Israel? And then refuse to do anything with these people. Well, they are doing something with those people, and they're holding them in a sense, in essence, as political hostages. They are political hostages to uh, wage war with the nations of the world against Israel, to constantly use them as uh, pressure to get Israel to conform, to give up land, to do this, that, or the other, and none of those things will work. That isn't even the goal. The goal is to destroy Israel. That is Hamas's declared goal, and these other nations, while pretending that they're not in favor, they really are. They really are. Because they refuse to do anything with. You see, there are a couple of billions Arabs, in those nations? Why can't they absorb two million Gazans? Where is their hospitality? Where is their love for their brethren? There is none. They want to use them to wage political war against Israel. It's very, very simple, friends. Very, very simple. Now, before we go further, then, I want to make available to you my book, uh, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It is a, uh, a $22 book. Here's for $20 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Again, before we go further, for those of you who are in Massachusetts, Connecticut or New York, I want to again remind you that we are coming, my wife and I are coming to uh, meet with you on november fourth, Saturday morning, november fourth, from eight AM to eight thirty for breakfast there at the uh, uh, Crestview Country Club in Agawam, Massachusetts, the first uh, zip code in America. One zero 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 one, amazing, isn't it? That's where it began. So, in order to participate, though, you're going to have to uh, register and make your reservation. You need to go to our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Click on the web store, and then in the upper right hand corner is a little spot that talks about signing up for the breakfast. So you hit that, and you know what to do next. Now, the other thing you can do, you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or even right now during this program, call a different number, 804-754-1988. 804-754-1988. And you'll be talking with Nicole. And she will help you to sign up. She'll help sign you up for that breakfast, even during the radio program. So, I hope you'll do that. And if none of those work, then you can write us a check for $30 for each breakfast. Give the names of each person that is coming with you. And uh, we'll make sure that you are on the list. But write that check immediately because the deadline is this Friday. Things are moving very quickly now. And we want to make sure that you and your friends, your relatives, uh, those that you care about, your pastor and so on, are able to participate. I hope you'll do it. The cost of the breakfast is $30. We don't make any money with that. That just barely covers our costs. For the room and for the food, and it's always a gr- these people put on a great uh, breakfast. It's a uh, buffet breakfast, so you get more for your more for your money, and uh, it, it's going to be a great time. It's a wonderful uh, spot. The uh, owner of the uh, radio stations that we air on up there in Massachusetts, Connecticut, is going to be there. He and his wife have already signed up. They're going to be there. You'll be able to meet them, talk with them, but I hope you'll make uh, make sure that you're there. We're looking forward to it. Uh, when I come up there, we'll also be speaking in two uh, very large churches up there uh, on uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night. So it's going to be a, a full weekend. It's going to be a great time. We'll be right back with you after this. Stay tuned. There
1: is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries.
0: What is Israel's hope? Where is Israel's hope? Amid all of the cacophony that's going on, the cacophony of war, the, uh, the tremendous pain and anguish and expense and threats, all of these things, where is Israel's hope? The Russian Chief Rabbi Beryl Lazar made this statement. The world today is in a state described by the sages as labor that precedes the coming of a Messiah. Labor. That's what Jesus called birth pangs. Birth pangs that precede the coming of Messiah. And as I indicated earlier, the word tikvat Israel means the hope of Israel. And uh, that hope is reduced to its simplest and most fundamental expression, that is the hope of a Redeemer the Messiah, who will restore Israel and the Jewish people to the fullness of their biblically prophesied purpose. And in doing that, restore the world for God's glory. And this messianic moment in history will then bring global shalom, peace, world justice, security, and prosperity. So what happens? Well, Satan wants to accomplish that. He wants to preempt God. In doing that, he wants to preempt God in bringing shalom, world justice, security, and prosperity. So what is he doing? He's uniting the the God-despising peoples and leaders of the world to form a new world government. In fact, this very week, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping there in China... Have declared their intent to form a new world government, a new world order. So it seems like there are more than one new world order that is being promoted. And out of these several will come one. Satan will deem to be ruling over that one. He's moving in all of them. It is his spirit and demonic spirit that is coming through to paved the way for all of these nations to rise up and seek to rule and reign so that they ultimately can rule and reign for the Temple Mount, which is considered to be the ultimate place of power, both earthly power and spiritual power in the world. Satan himself said, I will ascend to the heights of the north. I will be like the Most High God. The heights of the north is is a... euphemistic way to express the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, because in the north, there was a great escarpment, uh, and it was very steep, and the Romans had to go up that and build uh, fortresses and ramps just to get up and access uh, the Temple Mount. So that's what he was talking about. So this Messiah factor is embedded. It's an embedded article of Jewish faith. In fact, ever since the 1970s, this messianic expectation has exploded to almost fever pitch. It's, I mean, it's just coming out now regularly. When we read, have headlines that come out today, uh, footsteps of the Messiah or uh, birth pangs of the Mashiach or hardships on the way to redemption, with the culminating statement that we're expecting Messiah now, that this is the messianic age. So this campaign, if you could call it that, began in the late 1970s with a slogan, and that slogan was we want Mashiach now. In other words, we want Messiah now. The interesting thing is that that call for Messiah, among the more fundamentalist Jewish groups, kind of corresponded in time with the phenomenal bestseller, The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. You remember that? And that enjoyed distribution primarily within the greater Gentile Christian world. And then at the same time came out a film called A Thief in the Night. And that made an amazing debut within the Gentile Christian world. All of that was in the 1970s. By 1992, which is the year that the Lord spoke to my heart as a practicing lawyer and said, you've been pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead my cause of the land. As a voice of the church, declaring vision for the nation. By that time, the Western world began to unravel at the seams. And Israel and Islam emerged with increasing prominence. The Messiah movement among Jews also picked up steam, declaring, prepare for the coming of The Messiah. In fact, at that same time, a series of very dramatic billboards, full size billboards, appeared along a Southern California freeway. One said, Sword of the Lord coming soon. Another said, Prepare to meet thy God. They came in succession. I took photographs of them and then contacted, discovered who had put them up and contacted this young man. He was thirty, about 30 years of age. He In his early 30s, he invested his life savings to shout out that message. He said that the Lord burned in his heart. So we brought him on this program years ago to talk about what motivated him to spend that enormous amount of money to put up those billboards, the sword of the Lord coming soon, and prepare to meet thy God. You see, all of this then becomes an increasing focus. It's pushing, pushing, pushing pushing toward this messianic moment. Then the Messiah factor has mushroomed amazingly across the planet. By 2005, the Russian chief uh, rabbi, Beryl Lazar, publicly announced his conviction that the earth would soon see the coming of the Messiah to judge all mankind. So he said, we know that he is very near at hand. He said, the world today is in the stage described by our stages as labor that precedes the coming of a Messiah. So we're living, he said, on the verge of history. He said it can be felt everywhere. So I ask you a question. Can you feel it? Can you sense it? And if you don't sense it, maybe, maybe you have some kind of spiritual nulling of your senses maybe your spiritual nervous system has been destroyed by spiritual diabetes. Because if it weren't, you would feel, you would understand the dynamic that is happening in our world would scream to you that we're in this period leading up to the coming of Yeshua, the second coming of Christ. Now, a lot of purported messiahs have appeared and disappeared over over the course of history. But they all died within that generation. And the world right now is primed for a purported savior, whoever that might be. And that's why when Barack Obama showed up, even the German news magazine, Der Spiegel, put his picture on the front cover and called it the Messiah Factor. Dozens of people proclaimed he the Messiah. News people in America. I have it all recorded in my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. So if you don't have that book, I, I urge you to get a copy of it. Because it's unlike anything else out. I don't say that in pride, it just is. It's unlike anything else out concerning Messiah. I can guarantee you, you have never ever read anything like it. It ties together many, many, many dots. In other words, it connects many, many dots that you probably would never even think of as related to this messianic age and the things that are competing with Jesus as Messiah. So, it's a $22 book. It's my latest book. It's uh on your it's on our website for $20. It's yours for $20. You can give us a call 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, The interesting thing whether you knew it or not is that Many in many Jewish people and rabbis are expecting two messiahs. Now, that may sound strange, but it's true. They're, they're expecting a what they call a suffering Messiah and then a ruling Messiah. They call these Masha, Messiah or Mashiach ben Yosef, or Messiah son of Joseph, based upon a rabbinical interpretation of Isaiah 53, depicting depicting that he would suffer. And then they also are looking for Mashiach ben David, or Messiah, son of David, who would rule as king of kings, like referenced in Isaiah 9, 6, and Daniel chapter 7, and so on. So they're looking for two Messiahs, in a sense, to try to fulfill these passages of Scripture that ultimately are filled, both of them fulfilled, in Jesus himself, Yeshua. But they don't receive Yeshua. They don't. Because he supposedly was deity. And they said, no. Moses said there would be one just like me. And you'll follow him. In other words, just a mere man. And secondly, they have the conviction that because the Bible said in the Torah that the Lord our God is one, that if Jesus is divine, then he's competing with the Father, and therefore you're worshiping two gods, and that, by definition, rules out Jesus as Messiah. But what they don't realize is that it's three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But they haven't been willing to realize that yet. So that will happen, but it won't happen until terrifying things unlike anything Israel has ever 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 experienced will happen. in fact unlike anything the world has ever experienced will happen. So then uh, there's, there's so many things that uh, we could talk about we're not going we don't have time to talk about here today on viewpoint but there are some reasons why, Some of the rabbis say that uh, the Messiah has not yet come. So I'll share those with you when we get back. Reasons why the Messiah hasn't yet come. A lot of this comes from mystical views of the Messiah. Right there in Israel. We'll be right back.
1: Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to save and click sell church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's save us.org. Click sell church.
0: You may wonder why my book is called Messiah: Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. You may think to yourself, well, that's not a mystery. We know who the Messiah is. Well, does Israel? Does Israel know who the Messiah is? No. So it's speculation. In fact, the whole world is looking for some sort of a savior or Messiah. Do they know who it is? Some thought it was Barack Obama. In fact, many thought it was Barack Obama. Even university professors declared that Barack Obama was their Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's all recorded in my book, Messiah. So there's a mystery. There's a sense of mystery to this whole idea of Messiah. And it's not just an idea. It's a promise. It's a prophecy. A Redeemer will come to bring redemption. Redemption to Israel and redemption to the Gentiles that are grafted into the original olive tree of Israel by faith in Jesus Christ. This book sets forth and unveils the mystery of the ages. It is the mystery of the ages. It goes all the way back to uh, the creation and even before that, in the mount in heaven where satan confronted god and rebelled and led the angels in rebellion it goes all the way back and it's always been a mystery and satan himself is doing everything he can to gain prominence in our world through whatever agencies and sources he can even if it means a Democrat party in the United States or a president or a founder of the World Economic Forum or the leader of China that's making himself a pseudo-god, it doesn't really matter. He uses all of these sources. And that's why for many people it becomes kind of confusing. And so you have people that the Apostle Peter responded to, and they say, well, where's the promise of his coming? And at the end of the age, you've been talking about this for years, where is it? And so they mock. They say, come on, this is not real. Uh, there's, there's no Messiah coming. Well, apparently the Jewish people believe so, at least the rabbis, the, the Orthodox Jews believe so. Somebody still believes And it's written in the Torah, and it's written in the uh, Tanakh, the Old Testament, and a third of everything in the New Testament is a quote from the Old Testament. So the hope of Israel is clearly impressed into and inscribed into the Old Testament. But they don't see it. How many times have you uh, started reading a particular passage of Scripture and all of a a sudden something just opens to you, and you see what was written there all the time, and you just hadn't seen it before. So this isn't something silly. It's It's not something esoteric in and of itself. Sometimes we're just blinded in our own minds and hearts. We don't see what we think we see. We don't understand what we think we understand. And so... This book will help in that regard. It may also help you with many of your friends and people that you know, because they may be caught up in a whole, con- whole raft of different kinds of messianic thought. They put their trust in, for instance, the Masonic Oath. They put their trust in Marxism. They, trust, they put their trust in an evolutionary Christ. They put their trust in environmental deification. They put their trust in uh, scientific salvation. I mean, these are all real, very real messianic hopes that people have in our world today. The United Nations is savior. All the religions is savior. Did you know that just uh, a month or so ago, the Parliament of World Religions, that's been meeting for about 100 years now, had their annual meeting in Chicago? all these different religions gathering together. why? because they think that by gathering together and co-mingling and honoring one another and their religious fervor that they're going to usher in the eternal shalom or peace on earth they're going to save the world. they do they believe that. but increasingly they reject. Bible-believing Christians. No, because they can't receive them because they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. That no man will come to the Father but by them. I ran into a situation like that about, uh, actually, uh, 30 years ago when I first came from Southern California to Richmond, Virginia. Somehow I was enabled, I think by God's uh, grace, to connect with a group of people that were in the process of actually trying to save the birth city of America, Richmond, Virginia, through political and religious fervor. But it had nothing to do with the Bible, per se. It had everything to do with merging liberal churchianity and uh, New Age uh, and all kinds of different... Uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, all the isms of the world, together in one lovey-dovey uh, love fest, including the healing of the nations, the hope of the earth through racism, uh, through uh, uh, er- eradicating racism. And I sat down with the leader of this over lunch And I just turned to him and I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life? And he refused to answer me. His name was Rob Corcoran. And he had been, I had been told by a trusted friend of mine that he was a Christian. So I asked him again. I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life? He refused to answer Obviously, he did not believe that because he was ushering in a different salvation message, a false messianic message. Now, they didn't call it Messiah, and that's why it's such a mystery. So, as you read this book, you're going to find out so much that is creating confusion in our world, even in our churches, even among pastors. Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages. $20, we'll put the $22 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, I told you that I was going to share with you uh, what some of these uh, uh, mystical views are of the Messiah and why he hasn't shown up. One reason, the reason the Messiah isn't here is still a mystery, they said. Another said the Messiah will show up, but he could be any one of us. Really, so he could be you. See, just a mere man. Another says the main truth of Messiah is our awareness, to see the true energy in the physical world. Really? So the Messiah is just energy. So the idea that Jesus is the only begotten Son full of grace and truth is deemed to be blasphemy. It seemed to be blasphemy to Muslims and to Jews. It is. Now, there was a shocking confession that took place, and I want to share this with you very briefly as we wrap up. This happened just a few years ago, and this hope of Messiah uh, was catapulted down the prophetic track of time by one of Israel's most prominent rabbis. Shortly before he died, Yitzhak Kaduri wrote the name of the Messiah on a small note, which he requested would remain sealed until one year after his death. So when the note was opened, it revealed what many had known for centuries— Yet many others, particularly Jews, had categorically rejected. And that is, this is the name Rabbi Kadura wrote. Yehoshua, or Yeshua, Jesus is the Messiah. That's what he wrote. Quote, the secret note said he will lift the people and prove that his word and law are valid. Wow. That shook people up. Jewish leaders and readers responded with questioning amazement. The ultra-Orthodox were scornful. They said, so does this mean Rabbi Kedurim was a Christian? In fact, two of Kaduri's followers in Jerusalem admitted that the note was authentic, but was confusing for his followers. A few months before his passing at the age of 108, the rabbi surprised his followers as he gave a message in his synagogue on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, teaching how to recognize the Messiah. Kaduri's grandson, Rabbi Yosef Kaduri, said the grandfather spoke many times during his last days about the coming Messiah and redemption through Yeshua ben Joseph and Yeshua ben David, the promised anointed one. So who who is this Messiah? How would we recognize the Messiah? Upon what authority will his authenticity be established? Will many be confused and deceived or even destroyed by a false hope or a counterfeit? Absolutely, they will. The Bible says they will. So, near the end of a lengthy conversation, with a gentleman I was interviewing concerning, or he was interviewing me concerning King of the Mountain, my book. I felt led to ask a provocative question. Here it was. If the Jewish leaders fail to recognize Yeshua, Jesus, as Messiah, what makes you think they will recognize a purported Messiah when he soon shows up on the scene? There was an amazing pregnant silence. And then he said, well, that's a very good question. So I said, well, what makes you think you will have better discernment than that modern junior Sanhedrin of revered spiritual leaders when the imposter makes his debut? Where there is a real and the true, there is inevitably an imposter. Hmm? So the belief in the coming of Messiah is deeply embedded, Within the consciousness of the Jewish people, even the seculars. So we are therefore awaiting the arrival, revival, or excuse me, the arrival of the true Messiah. Even though he may tarry, we are not to lose hope. So we don't have Tikvat Israel; we have Tikvat whatever Gentile believers, the hope of Gentile believers. But the problem is. Even as Jewish people are going to be radically confused by an imposter, so are the majority of Gentiles, even professing Gentile believers. Why? Their faith is just not secure. They're not ready. They haven't prepared the way of the Lord in their lives. They're prone, they're riding on their feelings. They're not living by faith, not really living according to their feelings and then push comes to shove and persecution comes along and when things get really 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 tough all of a sudden they're in the counterfeits camp well i had to they will answer well i had to. really that's where the test is going to come so you might actually want to get a copy of my book antichrist as well Antichrist and then Messiah both of them $22 books yours for $20 and when you get both of them together instead of $5 postage and handling for both it'll be $5 for one book and $2 for the second you can order them right there on the website saveus.org you can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA and again for those of you in New York or Massachusetts or Connecticut make sure you sign up for that breakfast do it now Don't delay. Not manana. Friday's the deadline. God bless.